Welcome to the Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company. Hello and welcome to Temple Bar Dublin. And today I'm delighted to chat to renowned folk singer Maraid Nigona. Maraid, you're welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kieran. And yeah. thanks a million for joining us. We spoke to Trina uh, a few weeks ago, so we got some of your background, but we would say we probably got Trina's version of it. And we don't want you to fall out over the story <laughs> of your background, but you were raised in Kells, but, you know, the Donegal connection was so strong and in a very, very musical household. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I was thinking, I was listening to my little granddaughter this evening and she's only a year and a half, but she was trying to make an effort to sing Orosha the Vahawala. And I was thinking we have recordings when we were three and four of, my father was a great man to, to record, you know, he had, he had ever, the latest kind of recording machine that would be available at the time and recorded us at that age. So the, we were singing from, from birth. Yeah. So another generation is what you're telling me is taking up the, the mantle. <laughs> well, no, it's just so funny. We have one granddaughter, Isolt, and uh, again, the joy of our life. But, uh, you know, we've been singing little songs to her. I've been trying to sing little songs to her. And she's she uh, we got a little video today now for making a, an attempt at, at a few notes. And oh, Rosh Hashanah, so it's lovely. That's oh, great, to, great to hear the uh, the tradition continuing anyway in the family. Of course, shouldn't be surprised that you'd be singing an Irish song to her because the Grail talked of Renafast really was your other, was your spiritual home, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely, Kieran. And again, I, I mean, I was, when I was 10, I was sent uh, to um, to spend about, I spent about five, six months and went to school in Renafast. Um, it was kind of a Gaelian scheme that was going on at the time. And, but of course I went and stayed with my granny and my auntie Nelly and my auntie Annie. And uh, so I kind of have a very strong connection with Ranafast as a result of that, I think, because I think when you go to school and you, you know, you make pals and you kind of know the area sort of in a different way. And um, so, as you said, the spiritual home. And I presume then that really would have started your interest in singing and the songs to kind of get, I presume you got closer to it there. I did because I would have been listening to sort of um, Nelly, the, the famous Aunt Nelly that we got this, a lot of the songs from, um, was an extraordinary woman. She would be sitting in the corner knitting. She was blind, but she uh, learned how to knit actually after she went blind and she uh, had kind of after, uh, as a young woman, she had very bad eyesight and eventually went blind. But she used to stay at home with all the older people and therefore that's why she had the songs. So again, again, as a small, from small, as small children, we would have sat around listening to her and uh, she would be kind of knitting there and singing an odd song. And the same with my granny. And um, my father was kind of very particular at sort of when we were small kids, he used to go around the old people in, in Ranafast recording stuff. Um, and, you know, you were trucked along with them and you sat on the step listening to what was going on. And I suppose a lot of it was going into your head and you didn't even know it, you know. And so. uh, Your father, of course, worked with the Folklore Commission. Was that part of the job that he did? Well, it, it, it that was in his much earlier life, kind of before before we were we were born. But um, he worked on the for he worked with the old um, uh, edaphones, the the wax cylinders, and went round Donegal with this on his back, and went out to Tory Island and various places. But 
I think because of that uh, earlier thing, he, he always had an interest then in collecting and he continued to do it. And of course, as the technology changed in those days, like he was always one step ahead trying to get them used recording machine that was there, the reel to reels and the whole lot. But he always had something and uh, he would uh, and he was very aware of kind of collecting and getting the stuff down and recording it. And of course, we still have all those recordings. That's fantastic to have that, mm. of course. Then that was his passion and he kept it going and after he, he had going. kind of worked and Sadly, it. of course, though, then he died far too young. He died um, when I was 21. Um, we were all very young when he when he passed on. He was only he was only in his sixty three. God, very so young man, all right. It was he was, yeah. you know, and uh, you know he had an awful lot of more living to do, and we we that's a big one big regret is that we didn't get kind of more of the stories from him. But he collected that huge bank of material that then eventually sort of fed into what you did musically. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that kind of a sort of love of song and love of language. And um, and of course, my mother was a, a beautiful singer as well. So they instilled it into us and in but in a very beautiful and magical way. You know, uh, we were always sort of uh, made feel that Donegal was the very special place. And uh, you, you kind of uh, you waited for the next visit and going up there. And of course, you had the sea and the swimming and the fishing and all the things that went along with sort of making a childhood very magical you know well you're you're nearly transporting me there now with that description <laughs> Moret, i have to say <laughs> well um, there it is you know and that's what we do when we think of of donegal you know yeah and um, what about your own musical development i know trina went and learned piano and i only discovered actually after talking to her that she had been playing the accordion actually while on visits to you uh, in the not distant past let's say but what musical direction did you go in apart from your singing well the thing is that um you know we were all given the same chances but i remember one one of the nuns in 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 the convent in in kells uh once said to me she said well i might as well be teaching the wood in the piano (laughs) because it just i couldn't do it you know so i mean uh, my mother often said, you know, she said, well, I'm one really good singer and I've, you know, and they, they, yeah, this kind of thing. But I never, ever uh, excelled in an instrument. Um, so it was it was the voice. And, you know, I sang and uh, Trina was sitting up at the piano from and holding kind of instruments and things before she could, you know, it was it was extraordinary. She was so musical. Uh, so then I suppose in another way too, it was very easy to sit back then and if she played, I sang, you know. But did you did you train at singing or did you just naturally pick it up and just absorb the songs yourself? I did. I did and I, I, I just sang and I mean, uh, it was my our mother too also, like as well as the traditional songs, she was she adored musicals light opera, all that kind of stuff. And my father had a great collection of 78s. And we used to, you know, always be listening to Bing Crosby, Ella Fitzgerald, all the kind of, you know, the different genres of music. So I was always singing. And um, then, but we would learn the songs. And there was, again, my father was teaching in Kells. So there was always the fesh and you'd be learning a song for the fesh or you'd be doing, you know, something like that. So, you know, I, I sang and I usually, uh, you know, came home with the medals and that kind of thing. And I was uh, there was several suggestions about, you know, that my voice could be trained maybe. 
um, and uh, at one point, you know, they were, my mother was kind of anxious that that might happen, you know, but my father kind of intervened and said, well, you know, if she, if she's trained to sing, she'll never sing a traditional song properly again. So he got the final word on that one, but, uh, and I think actually in retrospect, I think he was right. Yeah, I was it's just very... going to say, he sounded like an yeah. inspired man anyway, but that <laughs> certainly was an inspired decision on your behalf. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I'm actually when you mentioned Bing Crosby there, I'm just trying to imagine uh, Scara Bray singing Bing Crosby songs. <laughs> well, no, at that stage now, when Scara Bray came along, we were listening to Steel Eyes Band, yeah. Pentangle, the Be the Beatles from, you know, the the mid '60s on. We were absolute you know, glued to the charts and all that kind of stuff, you know. And even when we started kind of singing together in Ranafast, when we met Dahi Sproul and Jim McCluskey and these, you know, as kind of pre-Scarabray, um, you know, we used to try and translate some of the Beatles songs and sing them and, you know, harmonies, all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, it was great. With the band Scarabray, then you got together and it, like your your harmonies and the work that you did were uncanny. I presume that's because of the family connection, is it? Did you just naturally understand each other? Well, I, I think, you know, um, you see, Trina had had a she has an extraordinary um, uh, way of harmonising. She it comes naturally to her. She could sing a song three, three times in a row and she would be putting different harmonies in every in every one. Uh, and then I think sibling voices always blend anyway in some way. So, you know, uh, we, you know, I usually took the the, the, the the lead, Trina did the harmonies or whatever. And then Michal and Dahi's voices were quite, you know, so the four voices just seemed to blend and that kind of harmonic thing just start, it just was there, you know. Um, and we just we 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 never really kind of thought about it. It just you know you sang the song and and it happened. You know. You made of course a fantastic album. That was it though. You, it it came and it went on that one album. That's it. That's it. And I mean, uh, it's funny people say it still stands the test of time. But it was I was actually fifteen when that was made. <laughs> So that's a long, long time ago. I was yeah. 15. Uh, Trina was uh, 17. Uh, Michal was 19. You know, that was that was the age. And would your parents have encouraged that development for you musically? Oh, absolutely. My father was. He was so, I think, he was so energised and thrilled that we were, you know, interested in the songs and uh, that, you know, and the music. He loved the whole the whole thing and he I mean the first thing that Scarbray did was took us off I don't know if Trina mentioned it to you was we we went in for the Kilkenny Beer Festival yeah. and um, that was uh, the one heat came and then we got through that and on to the next one and at this stage I was at school and Trina was at school and my poor father was kind of doing a day's work teaching himself collecting us going to Dublin collecting the lads and going to Kilkenny you know, so the whole thing, there was all that encouragement and, uh, but he was there with us, you know. Fantastic so, to have that encouragement. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And he'd go through, like I remember on the day that we recorded that Scarabray album, which was done in an afternoon in the Marinella Hall there in Rathgar on a stereo pair hanging from the ceiling. And I mean, we had to stop every so often when there would be noise of planes going over going over, over overhead and um, there was one song in particular that 
when the lads kind of they were supposed to what they were supposed to um sing it themselves and play and something went wrong with the, the the tuning wasn't right or whatever so they decided that i should sing it and i remember my father taking me outside at the back of the hall and going through the words with me and going through the song and i went in and recorded you know so it was Amazing. Those kind of things happened, you know. They did, uh, and uh, you know the beauty of that was its purity and the fact that you just stood around a microphone basically mm, and made yes. the album that did stand the test of time. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine doing that now, Kieran? <laughs> well, you know what? I I often feel that people might be just better off if they did do it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a, there's certainly there's a kind of a there's a tension almost in it when you do that but it actually yeah. brings other things out in you musically. Yes, yes. I know all the kind of the takes and the retakes and the whole of where sometimes <laughs> they, you know, uh, if it goes right first time, it's probably the best, best uh, version you'll get. Exactly. Uh, or the comment used to be made, there's a better one in you. Yeah, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Oh, indeed, yes. But your, your siblings then went, they, they took the music to another level and travelled and went around the, the world, really, with it. You decided not to, or would, were you afforded an opportunity to do it? Well, no, I suppose when, kind of when Scarabray sort of uh, fizzled out a bit because the lads were doing, they were all at college and they were doing exams. And then I was the two years behind. Um, so when I finished kind of school, they were all halfway through and that that was kind of at the time where the body band was taken off. And uh, I was just, I was starting nursing in the matter. So I hadn't got the time to do it. And um, sort of I had to knuckle down, you know, uh, and and get, get those first two years as you, in nursing were very difficult in those days, or you, you certainly weren't traveling around anywhere. And um, so they took off with that, with that and, and it kind of the body band then, they were finishing college. The lads were finished, Trina was nearly finished and they uh, kind of started touring with that, which of course was a fantastic time. I mean, we used to go, to, we went to the concerts and we went to many of the sessions and, you know, there was a huge buzz going at the stage. But um, I started, you know, going to the traditional club down in Slattery's and Cable Street and I'd sing occasionally there, but uh, sort of having been used to singing with Scarabray and with the band, I started then singing on my own, you know, mm -hmm. and I had met Cahill, my husband at that stage, and Cahill, of course, was fascinated and interested in the songs as well, you know, so we enjoyed, you know, the tradition club and the, the singers. I was listening at that time to uh, Len Graham, Joe Holmes, Geordie Hannah, uh, all that kind of thing and there was a great circle of kind of interest uh, an, an interest again in the song tradition i knew tommy munnelly tommy and annette and you know there was a, a a fantastic group of people who were interested in song and we started going to kind of weekends in drogheda and then up to Belik and to various places and um that took up a lot of time in the in that sort of early 70s uh, did you ever feel when you saw Trina and Michal performing with the body band? God, I'd love to be there. Oh, I, I, of course. <laughs> of course I did. And and on a few occasions kind of got up and joined them, you know. I mean, actually, it's 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 very funny. We, we Carl and I often look back. We, we spent our honeymoon with the body band. <laughs> As you do. 
as you do, as you do. We got married and the lads, they couldn't come home. Trina came home for our wedding, but they were on tour at the time. And we got the boat the night after the wedding and we went down to London, over to England, down to London and joined them. And they were doing a concert the first night we were there in Dingwalls in London. And we were staying with um, a friend of theirs had a house and we bunked in in the house with them and spent a week uh, kind of just knocking around London with the, with the band. Not a bad honeymoon. Not a bad honeymoon at all. <laughs> Memorable that's, for sure. That's about 44 years ago or something. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned you actually mentioned there, Maria, that you you know you heard, you listened to the likes of Len Graham and Joe Holmes and people like that. That yeah. so would have broadened out because up to that, I presume you you were, there was a certain influence that said the Donegal influence. Did that broaden out your sort of song repertoire then, or give you a new a new look at songs? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I was singing mainly just Irish language songs, and then a few of the songs when Trina got, got some English language songs from Nelly, and we started, you know, going through those. So therefore, when you know, when we met at these uh, weekends, and again saw saw these people performing in the traditional club and slatteries, I started then singing, you know, uh, um, some of the songs I loved, particularly loved Len Graham and um, that song One Morning in May and all of those kind of songs. I was totally in, uh, taken in by all of that. And again, um, Sean Cochran, Sean was a great singer. And I had gone in, uh, there was a um, the bicentennial celebration in the States in 76. Uh, Tommy Munley uh, was asked to get a group of people together to go and perform. Uh, it was a six week tour actually in the States uh, by the we were invited by the Smithsonian Institute to represent Ireland in for the bicentennial. And I uh, Tommy asked me would I go along and I was with the greatest bunch of people um, and we had an absolute, I'm sure, Kieran, you've heard stories about, it was like um, um, the Moloch set and uh, uh, Mary Conway, um, Ali, uh, Junior Crean, Michael Russell. It was the first tour that Jadonna never did abroad, came out for that. And, um, and Sean Corkin, Eddie Clark, Maeve Donnelly, I'm trying to think of all the people, um, you know, it was just extraordinary. That's amazing and because I had a conversation earlier today with Gerardo Holland in Montreal and he spoke about that, actually. Uh, yeah. We were just talking, he was actually, the conversation was about Ollie Conway and oh, it right. then developed into talking about that particular tour. It yeah. was an epic tour and a, epic a fascinating tour, yes. collection of people. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Sonny Murray was on that as well. Uh, Lonan Byrne, Piper, uh, uh, Paddy Tunney. <laughs> yeah. Paddy was on the tour as well. And uh, it was just extraordinary. We, 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 it was completely non-profit making. We were given, we were all given $10 a day, pocket money. Our accommodation was provided and our food and, and a certain amount of lots of drink. And uh, we started off in Washington DC. They had, um, they had in the mall, the big mall there between the Lincoln and the Capitol building. They had tents and all the different countries. Every country that kind of settled in America was being represented. 
So we did kind of 11 days. I'm thinking there to Michael, Michael Russell. Michael was with us on. It was an extraordinary gathering. And uh, we all stayed in, in International House in Georgetown for that sort of first week. And then we were invited then to move around the country to places where there were kind of Irish people had settled. So we were in Philadelphia, Chicago. We had an amazing time in Chicago. We actually were invited by the um, the, the mayor, mayor, the famous mayor in Chicago. The Daily. Day, yes, brought us up to his house and whatever. We were, we, uh, you know, we would do one concert for the sort of local Irish community and then we would do something official or whatever. That was the, and of course, Kieran McMahona. Kieran was our, our kind of liaison person uh, with us as well. And uh, we went as far as Fort Dodge, Iowa right out into the boonies in, in America. And uh, eventually, anyway, we landed back in New York and uh, out of the kind of 24, 25 us, 11 went home and the rest of us stayed on for another week or two. And, uh, you know, so never mind the kind of performances, the fun we had. Um, I remember one night being a junior, junior Korean teaching me how to do a, a clear set. <laughs> Not, nothing wrong so, with that. Nothing wrong with that, yeah. Yeah, you know. It was, well, of course, if you great. had Ollie Conway in the company, you had both well, singing it, and set Ollie, dancing. They were up dancing and whatever, but Junior then took me on and started showing me the, the steps to to be able to join in with them, you know. But the the road and life on the road wasn't to be for you anyway because you had your no. vocation, really. That's it. I mean, I, 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 when I came home from there, we, I, I got, I actually in 76, that's the year I got married and um, I was then kind of in the middle of uh, sort of starting my career nursing. And uh, so I enjoyed, you know, the singing, but I didn't do it professionally at that stage. And, uh, you know, then uh, I had my daughter, Rosha, and then a few years later I had Manus. And uh, at that point then, you know, uh, I was singing in sessions and doing an odd bit here and there, you know, but kind of nothing, uh, nothing, uh, no tours or whatever. And then when Trina, Trina and Michal were in America at that stage, so when they would come home, we might, I might occasionally join them for a concert here and there or do kind of bits, bits and pieces, you know. But uh, it wasn't you... really until I went, we moved to Galway in um, 96, um to do um and i had just actually decided to sort of before that to possibly uh, and various people um, approached me and asked me would i do another album another solo album because i had done the first solo album in 75 you know and uh, so they approached me to and i did and i um approached donal donal lunny and asked donal would he produce the album for me and which he did and we had great fun doing that and uh, i i really enjoyed kind of getting a repertoire together and exploring songs and things that i hadn't done for a long while you know shortly after that time when the album came out i then moved to galway and it was at that point donald approached me asked me would i tour for a while with cool finn the band that he had at the time so that was when i took off touring um, for, for on and off for about two and a half years. A late developer. Yeah, indeed, indeed. 
and actually just before that too i think i did uh with uh, i did the the, the famous um german tour you know where that the tour that people go off to for a month a, a different a different venue every night and i actually um i'd always felt that i'd missed out on touring earlier and uh, Carl encouraged me said well look do it if they'd asked me to do it and after two weeks or so um i i was cured <laughs> I came back from that tour and said I would never do it again. Yeah, it was an, that was an important tour for people really who were starting out in their careers, let's say, around Europe. But when you're yes. being more established, I suppose, a bit like yourself, it, it's a slightly different challenge. Very different challenge. And I mean, for me, it was, um, you know, it was a whole different experience. I'd never been used to being on the road as such. And, uh, you know, arriving in venues, sound checks, getting on stage, all that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, uh, and then collaborating with other, other um, musicians, you know, so, and singers, it was, it was a, it was a real baptism of fire. Well, as you say, it, it, it cured your curiosity for it life did. on the road. It did anyway. indeed, it did indeed. And kind of after that, I did the most I would have ever been away would be for about two weeks or so. No, you spoke about collaborations there. Uh, you have, you did a collaboration actually with the West Ocean String Quartet. That's right. That was a, a really lovely, lovely experience. Um, they were do, recording um, a, an album around um, a suite of songs. Neil Martin was approached to do um, something about the Illinomara, which is, um, it's a little island uh, just basically um, in Carrickfin on the Puncha in, in, in near us in Ranafast. And there was, it's one of these places there all over the country where, you know, unbaptized babies that were born or stillborn babies weren't allowed to be buried in consecrated grounds. So they were put onto these little islands. And uh, this little place, which is absolutely a beautiful spot, they reckon there's something like there could be 500 babies buried on this little island. And Neil was asked to write a song suite, something f about this. And he collaborated with uh, Carl Sharkey, who wrote absolutely beautiful lyrics. And then they asked me, would I sing, sing the, the song suite? So um, that's what that's what I did. And that's on that um, album with the West Ocean. And we performed it um, several places here in Ireland. And we also performed it in America in Notre Dame University. Uh, they asked us to come over and do a performance of it. So uh, that was really special, you know. It was a beautiful piece of work and of course, maybe the fact that it was a Donegal and all that connection probably meant a bit more to you, did it? Oh, it did indeed. And in fact, you know, um, after we did it, um, the local community kind of where everybody knew about this place and talked about it, but kind of they stopped using it. Um, I think in the, uh, I think they were literally burying babies up there until until the fifties. And uh, but when we did the suite, and I think there was a little bit of publicity about it, they asked us to come and perform it on the beach, right beside. Uh, you know, it's it's tidal, so when the tide goes out, you can walk across up onto this little island and then yeah, then the water, you know, it, it, it comes in. So they asked us would we come and perform on the beach. 
which we did and the local community all came along um, and kind of the Church of Ireland and the uh, Catholic and all the different uh, denominations gathered together and uh, we performed it there and then they've since put up a beautiful commemoration plaque and a big sort of uh, something on the island um, and invited people if there was anybody around who knew of children that were buried there to come and kind of um, put down markings so it was it was beautiful it know. sounds as if it was just so poignant yes yes absolutely absolutely and now everybody kind of goes there now and they know what it is whereas before it was just this kind of little mound of a little island small little island and uh, nobody really spoke about it so uh, that's lovely mm, great and that its significance is acknowledged now yes there yes, were a couple indeed. of other collaborations, actually. Martin O'Connor and Shami O'Dowd. That's right. We Martin and Shami. We had uh, we did a, a network tour, exactly two years ago, October two years ago, and again that was just lovely. I mean, I've played with um, with Martin, sang with Martin. Uh, we we did t two tours in Japan and several in Africa. <laughs> you kind of forget until you're you're reminding me now, Kieran, yeah. of all the the bringing up the bits and pieces uh, so we hadn't uh, kind of done anything for a few years so it was lovely to get together with uh, with uh, marching and of course Shamie then I had never worked with Shamie before so this was lovely he's brilliant um, yeah yeah and he has that empathy for song oh, of course he has and sure you know it's like he's watching every uh, every note you're singing and you know there's that lovely comfort thing of sitting back and knowing that you know, he's watching me and I'm watching him and we and it all works, you know. And well, then Martin does it instinctively as well. As I'm listening to you talking about that, recounting some of these exploits that you've had musically over the years, it's as if you've had the best of both worlds, really, that you had your life, your career, and you saw that through. And then and now that you're able to actually enjoy singing and singing and collaborating with different groups and Travelling to exotic places as well, the same as the best of them. That's well. Now there you go. You know, although we were just talking about it recently with this uh, uh, living through this pandemic and whatever, I wouldn't be in any hurry going anywhere now. I think it's been there, done that. <laughs> well, great to have done it all the same. There yeah, is, is another collaboration, and I thought this was really a beautiful uh, uh, grouping. It was Tea with the Maggies. Just give us a little bit of background on that. Oh, now that was just something else, mm. and and hopefully still that the, we always say that. Um, that's something that that will always be ongoing whenever the the diaries and people can kind of get together on it. But it happened actually. It was beautiful the way it happened. It was the commemoration, the kind of the the, the memorial concert we did for Michal after he died. It was about a year after Michal died. We decided to kind of honor him in some way with all and the you know the people he'd worked with, musicians and all that kind of stuff. And um, of course, Mraith and Moya would have been great old pals of Michal and and ourselves all through the years so they were on the concert and um Trina and I and we we did a piece or two together and my daughter Rosha afterwards said to me she said you know mom that's something you four really should get together you know and do something and uh, I remember saying it to the girls and they were saying oh yeah yeah oh and we'll do this so eventually I nabbed them all together and booked a time in um, Anna McCarrick and said right we've five days we'll do an album 
we get together and you have to come you see so <laughs> they were and i remember i think it was Maya who said at the time you know i don't have time to do this and whatever but because we had kind of slotted out the time we went and it was one of the we all agreed it was one of the best five days we ever had because we just got stuck in started singing started exploring what we could do and basically at the end of the five days we had the the, the bones together of a, an album and then the following kind of summer we went into the studio there in uh, because we were all we tend to spend a lot of time in the summer up in Donegal so we were all basically Maya and Mairead and that we got into Manus Lunny's studio there what better setting looking out at the at the the beach and the the, the it happened to be a lovely summer and we got uh, stuck in and and got an album together and uh, you know it was wonderful and we toured a bit and enjoyed it and still kind of get together whenever we can well, you famously played at Tradfest, actually. Yes, we did. We did indeed, which was brilliant. And who yeah. came up? Who came up with the name for the band? <laughs> well, we were. I'm just trying to think back. We were. We were talking about kind of you know because Mairead is known generally Maggie Mooney and I'm known generally around as as Maggie Og in Ranafast and the all the Mairead's, the Mairead, the Moy and the and 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 Mairead. And uh, then we thought of to ourselves, you know, tea, Trina, you know, so it was like tea with the Maggie's. It just came. From, I don't know where it came from, but we thought it was a bit bit of fun. Brilliant name for that band. By the way, we've been asking people uh, on this podcast series to know what they've been doing uh, during lockdown and how have you managed and how have you coped yourself, Morad? Well, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of health issues in the last few years and, uh, you know, so and Trina as well would be in the same boat uh, in, in terms of sort of um, lung problems and all that kind of thing. And uh, so we we had to be very careful. And uh, in the first lockdown, um, Trina joined us, myself and Carl, because I was worried about her being on her own. and. Uh, well, do you know it was it was fantastic, and if you remember back the April May, the weather was beautiful. We sat at the piano, we sang, we worked on a few new songs, and uh, it was it was great, you know. Um, uh, and then we kind of stayed there until the summer, and then when we were allowed at the beginning of July, we we went to Donegal, we went up to Ranafast, and again Trina came with us, and we had a lovely lovely time up there. Uh, and in so far as we couldn't go out, but again, Erigal Arts Festival came and recorded um, a piece with us. We were supposed to do a gig for them this summer and we recorded that and it went up online, you know. So, I mean, I think we've all kind of uh, done and things we've never done before and we've reinvented and we've listened to podcasts, we've listened to programs, we've watched things online and we've done all these things that um, and have had the time for it. So it's I think we'll all remember. And hopefully we're coming out of this <laughs> with this vaccine on the way. But uh, I think we'll all look back on this year with a lot of mixed feelings and uh, blessings and sadness. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that time people got time during time. this, even though we had to reassess and reappraise. 
but there mm. was time was given. So you mentioned mm. singing the f- songs. I remember Trina told us she played a bit on the accordion. That's the first time I heard of her playing the I was accordion. In the back garden and the kids next door were all lined up at the hedge looking <laughs> in at us. <laughs> she didn't mention the kids, I have to say, next door, but <laughs> she did say you were out in the back garden. But those right. kind of things to happen uh, wouldn't have yeah. happened otherwise and to have that time. Yes, exactly. I mean, I appreciate and I know so many people I've talked to who, you know, are used were used to giving out their livelihoods and their, we're at the other end, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if it had been 20 years ago or 30 years ago, we'd have, you know, uh, it, it would have been a, bit, a different scenario for us. But um, but I do feel that, you know, uh, of, uh, people of our age, it has been a, a really uh, pensive time, great time to just stand back and and not have to feel that you're you know the, that you have to rush or do anything and um you know it's been i think we'll all remember it mm-hmm. another question we've been asking people here on the podcast Moret, is what have you been listening to during this time well i've been going back to i of course one of my favorites of all time is is Joni mitchell and uh, I love Johnny Mitchell. I love Dolly Parton. I love, you know, uh, a lot of the. And I have found myself uh, going back on, again, looking up on YouTube and finding old recordings. And uh, and in fact, uh, Carl, my husband, just bought me last week. It arrived in the post. The that vintage recordings of uh, all the early recordings of Johnny Mitchell. And I've been listening to a bit of that, you know, uh, in the in recent days. But I think over the time it was it was watching sort of something had come up or, you know, all these WhatsApps and texts that people have been yeah. sending to one another and looking in on Facebook and somebody would come up with an old recording or a, a link to something. And uh, I've been doing an awful lot of that. So, as you mentioned, of course, a time then of rediscovery. Rediscovery. I mean, I have found through this this pandemic, I haven't been able to sort of read. Um, I haven't been able to have the kind of that for some reason. I think there's a lot of anxiety around and mm-hmm. you have to be in a certain place. So, you know, um, listening to that kind of thing and knitting. I've, I've been knitting a lot. Let me tell you, that's a fourth tier on the podcast series. Yeah, there you are. Now, <laughs> I've, I've rediscovered the joy of knitting. Now, I'm not a great knitter, but um, I just uh, sort of and myself and a few of my friends kind of I suggested to somebody who's on their own and would, hates being on their own. And uh, she kind of in the conversation one day said, you know, I used to be a great knitter. I said, right, there's wool, there's needles, get cracking, you know, <laughs> and uh, we've we've been sharing patterns and doing all sorts of things, you know. And then, of course, having a little granddaughter's, you know, she she's been getting hats and scarves and all sorts of things, you know. That's fantastic. Well, no, as I say, that's a new one here. But uh, <laughs> will you be will you will you be uh, sporting any of that uh, of your output when you perform at Tradfest 2021? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> my 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 knitted silk scarf. No, <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> You know, well, but, we're certainly uh, looking forward to Trina and yourself and Donald and Andy. Of course, you'll be performing. Uh, it'll mm. be online, of course, at Tradfest at the at the end of January. But we're looking forward to that performance. Moraidne Gwanel, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and we wish you the very best. And we hope that, you know, when when 
all is said and done and when this year is put away to bed, hopefully in the next six months that people will get out and be able to hear and take part in live music events. Thanks a million, Morel, for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Tradfest podcast. For more information on Tradfest, go to tradfest.ie. Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company.